Our scripture lesson today is two sections of chapter 24 in Genesis. This occurs after the um, near sacrifice of Isaac, which we looked at two weeks ago. And Abraham has set about on the task of seeking a wife for Isaac so that Isaac may um, have an heir and be the, the continuation of the promise of God can go forward. Um, that's where we pick this story up. So at 2415, before Abraham's servant had finished speaking, there was Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother coming out with her water jar on her shoulder. The girl was very fair to look upon, a virgin whom no man had known. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me sip a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered her jar upon her hand. And gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw, and she drew for all the camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether or not the Lord has made his journey successful. In seeking a wife for Isaac. When the camels had finished drinking. The man took a gold nose ring weighing half a shekel. And two bracelets for her arm weighing ten gold shekels. And said tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him. I am the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. Now, fast forwarding to verse 62. Now, Isaac had come from Beer Lahai Roy and was settled in the Negev. Isaac went out in the evening to walk in the field, and looking up, he saw camels coming. And Rebekah looked up, and when she saw Isaac, she slipped quickly from the camel and said to the servant, Who is the man over there walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. She took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done in seeking a wife for Isaac. Then Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother Sarah's tent. He took Rebekah and she became his wife. And he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, for speaking to us through the word of scripture, through human words, through children's stories, and through all manner of human expression, we give you thanks. In the name of Christ, amen. 
So in this summer series on these characters from Genesis, two weeks ago I indicated that in the aftermath of Abraham's near sacrifice of his son, his only son Isaac, things fall apart within the family. Abraham and Sarah live in separate homes. God never speaks to Abraham again. Sarah never speaks to Abraham again. Isaac never speaks to Abraham again. When Sarah dies, Abraham buries her respectfully, but Isaac is not present, presumably neither notified of his mother's death nor invited to her funeral. Abraham lives for 39 more years, but never blesses his son Isaac. Highly unusual in his day and time, leaving God to step in and do that blessing as soon as Abraham dies. We construct, we reconstruct that for three years after the the near sacrifice, after the death of his mother, Isaac appears to mourn the death of his mother with an unburdened pain. While he is a prosperous person, as the family of Abraham had all become during their wanderings in the wilderness, wealth and, proster- pros- wealth and prosperity itself cannot provide the salve for all of the wounds of, hum- of the human heart. Every e- evening, Isaac walks alone in the field, unmarried, though nearing 40, uncoupled, estranged from his father in a way that detaches him from his mother, meditating, praying, grieving, perhaps observing religious law, and maybe some combination of all of the above. Isaac is likely trying to piece together the traumatic meaning of the three-day near-silent journey with his father up Mount Moriah the constructing of the altar, the experience of being bound, the sight of the lifted knife in his father's upstretched arm, and then the sudden intervention of an angel pointing Abraham to a ram that was caught in the thicket as the appropriate creature to offer for sacrifice. Even had Abraham been inclined to try to explain the affair to Isaac, Abraham himself remains sufficiently in the dark to be rendered speechless other than to know that the angel has said he has passed the test of faith. How Isaac left the traumatic scene nor where he went is not specified. But clearly Isaac remains in the dark troubled about the meaning of what has transpired, a darkness only exasperated when he's left to mourn his mother's death a few years later on his own, with no support from his small extended family. As he walks in the wilderness after work, he's doubtless aware not only of the loss of his mother, but of the family burden that he alone carries on his shoulders. The promise of land, descendants, and blessing has been renewed to Abraham. And yet Isaac has produced no heir. 
And without an heir, that promise cannot be carried out. That is the burden that Isaac bears. Now, it becomes the project of Abraham's later years and the worry of his waning life to secure a wife for Isaac so that the promise of God will, in fact, continue into the next generation. Abraham calls his most trusted servant, the servant who is in charge of all his affairs, and says, go to my country and to my kindred and get a wife for my son, Isaac. The servant then takes front and center in this story. And this story is actually the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. In the servant's mind, the steadfast love of the, world, of the Lord, in Hebrew the word hesed, is no longer evident in Abraham's household. And his concern is that Hesed will not return to Abraham's household until he secures Isaac a wife. Three times the servant speaks to himself of this Hesed that he alone feels responsible for restoring. The servant's sole purpose in securing a wife for Isaac is knowing that God will continue to show God's steadfast love to Abraham and to his family without Hesed returning, nothing else matters. On his long journey to Nahor, a city named after Abraham's late brother, the servant ponders how he might recognize the person appropriate to become Isaac's wife. When he arrives, he makes his ten camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water. It's toward evening. It's the time when all the women come to the well to draw water. And the servant prays to God, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show the steadfast love of the Lord to my master Abraham. Let the girl to whom I shall say, please offer your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. Please let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown the steadfast love of the Lord. Hesed to my master Abraham. Abraham is uppermost in the servant's mind. Even when the subject is Isaac's marriage, Isaac plays the second fiddle. But then the narrator says, before the servant had finished speaking, there was Rebecca. Rebecca, the person who earlier had been identified as the daughter of Bethuel and the granddaughter of Abraham's brother Nahor. And his wife, Milcah. Rebecca, the only female who is listed in that very short genealogy in which she is introduced. Rebecca, the name that appears right in the middle of that genealogy. A sudden but dramatic development in the plot and progress of the promise of God. There was Rebecca. There was Rebecca. 
I want you to think for a minute. Do you remember the first time you were aware of your name? Do you remember the first time you learned to spell it or to write it in either print or cursive, whichever you were taught? When did you learn why your parents chose your name for you? What do you know about the life of the person for whom you were named? Into this fraught scene, Rebecca bursts with what we call in the ordination vows of the Presbyterian Church, energy, intelligence, imagination, and love. There was Rebecca. There was Rebecca. Rebecca has pedigree, born to Bethuel, son of Melchal, wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother. Rebecca has drive, coming out with her water jar on her shoulder. Rebecca is beautiful, very fair to look upon. Rebecca has energy, going down to the spring, filling her jar, and coming back up. Rebecca shows hospitality quickly lowering the jar up on her hand and giving the servant a drink and Rebecca even cares for the animals drawing for the servants camels until they have finished drinking so overwhelming and life giving and life affirming is this person who bursts onto the stage at the end of the servant's anxious prayer all the servant can do is to gaze at her in silence To learn whether or not the Lord has made his journey successful. As the story continues, the pace picks up even more. When the camels have finished drinking, the servant takes gifts of jewelry he's brought for this hoped-for wife. And he gives them to Rebecca. He says, tell me whose daughter you are. She boldly says, I am the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah. Whom she bore to Nahor. When Rebecca speaks these words. She becomes the first person in the Bible. To identify herself by saying I am. It is a name that will later be used of God. But Rebecca is the first person to claim for herself. Anything like what we would call a self-identity. I am Rebecca. Rebecca, I am. Rebecca runs and tells her mother's household about these things. They welcome the servant with lavish hospitality. The servant tells them the story of his search for a wife for Isaac and his finding of their sister and daughter Rebecca. Her brother Laban and her father Bethuel are impressed and say this thing must come from the Lord. In the morning, the servant asked to to take Rebecca with him back to Isaac. The family says, well, couldn't you stay with us 10 days? The servant says, no, I really need to get back there. The family asks if she can stay. The family then agree to ask Rebecca herself. What she wants to do. A remarkable gift of choice. Given to a young female 
in a day when such choices were rare for those who were young or those who were female. And Rebecca's answer is, I will go. Rebecca, I am. Rebecca, I am. So her family blesses her and allows her to go with Abraham's servant. In the next scene, Isaac is out for his evening walk in prayer, in pensiveness, in grief. The action in this scene both slows down and speeds up at the same time. Out for his walk, Isaac knows nothing of the effort on part of the servant to secure a wife for him. When Isaac looks up, he sees camels coming. From one of those camels, Rebecca looks up as well. When she sees Isaac, she slips slips quickly from the camel and she says to the servant, who is that man over there walking in the field to meet us? The servant says, it is my master. Rebecca takes her veil and covers her face, acknowledging the mystery that she is about to enter. The servant tells Isaac all the things that he has done to secure a wife for Isaac. Then Isaac brings Rebekah into his mother's tent. She becomes his wife. And the narrator tells us Isaac loves Rebekah. This is the first time in the Bible that it is said that one person loves another person. Isaac loves Rebecca. She is the first person reported to have received such love. Perhaps this beautiful moment in Genesis gave rise centuries later to the poet who wrote the Song of Songs, My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my fair one, and come away. For now the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig puts forth its figs. The vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my fair one. And come away. Isaac loves Rebecca. The winter is past. The rain is over and gone. For Isaac's grief. For Isaac's loneliness. For the uncertainty surrounding the future. And the promise of God. And the narrator then concludes. So Isaac was comforted. After his mother's death. In Hebrew society, the word for tent and the word for light are the same word. When Sarah died, the light had gone out of her tent. When Isaac takes Rebekah into his mother's tent, the light is restored. You may know someone like Sarah, I mean like Rebecca. 
Someone who brings light to every situation he or she enters. It is an auspicious beginning for a biblical character to whom even in synagogue and church we pay scant attention. Yet Rebecca, I am. Rebecca, I am. Rebecca brings light to every situation that she enters. Yet we will see next Sunday that with all the light Rebecca brings to this most important but scarred family, the burdens on her will increase markedly. And she will have her moments of fear. When two people stand at the altar and exchange vows of marriage in any culture, in any time period, in any manner of ceremony, each marries everything that their beloved has experienced. Everything that they have done, everything that has been done to them, everything that they may know about themselves, everything that still remains hidden, even to themselves. In plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. As next Sunday we will follow Rebecca over the course of her life, her challenges increase with her responsibilities. And as she faces the lifelong conflict between her twins, Jacob and Esau, a conflict that will begin in her womb, the most sacred and intimate part of her body. Rebecca will have her moments of genuine, gut-wrenching, soul-crushing despair. And they will lead her to attain another biblical first. The first person to question why she is even alive. And yet, spoiler alert, we'll see her survive that despair by once again taking charge and acting decisively, this time in prayer. All that's next week, but for this week our story has ended as we remember and celebrate this strong, joyful person, full of light, Rebecca I am. Amen.